Tonight's reading comes from Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, and then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. By way of introduction tonight, I want us to watch a quick clip from Louis C.K. and his appearance on Conan O'Brien several months ago. To that, by the way. But uh, in a way, good, because when I read things like the foundations of capitalism are shattering, I'm like, maybe we need that. Maybe we need some time where we're walking around with a donkey with pots playing on the sides. You You think that would just bring us back to reality? Yeah, because everything is amazing right now. And nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to. And you had to dial it. Yes. You don't don't realize how primitive... You're making sparks (laughs) in a phone. And you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers because it was more... Like, oh, this guy's got two zeros. Screw that guy. Why do I want (laughs) to... And then if, you, if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring lonely by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank. for when yes. It was open for like three hours. You had to stay in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you ran out of money, you'd just go, well, I can't do any more things now. I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card, they, the guy would go, oh, can he bring out this whole shunk, shunk, and he'd write, yes. oh, cut, you have to call the president to see if you have any money. And it's all true, kids. You had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the on the crap happiest generation of just spoiled idiots that don't care because this is what people are like now. They got their phone and they're like, ugh, it won't, give it a second. Give it, it's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow? On a, I was on an airplane, and there was internet, high-speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane, and they go, open up your laptop. You can go on the internet. And it's fast, and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's, I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down, and they apologize. The internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bull****. <laughs> like, how quickly the world owes him something. Yes. He knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. Right. And on planes... Flying is the worst one because people come back from flights and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's they act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. 
first of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. And then we get on the plane, and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really, what happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight, you non-contributing zero? You're flying! It's amazing! Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh my god! Wow! Yes! You're flying! You're, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. It doesn't go back a lot. <laughs> and it's it not really. You know, here's the thing. People, like, they say there's delays on flights. Delays, yeah. really? New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years <laughs> to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. <laughs> now you watch a movie and you take a dump in your home. Yeah. <laughs> well, nicer way to say it than that, but you yeah, No. You know, I... I think that video is hilarious, and it's hilarious in that way that the whole time you're just like, oh my gosh, that's really true, and it's true about me, and it, and all that, it kind of lays your heart wide open. Um, you know, the, the truth of that video, and the reason it's so funny and we all kind of laugh nervously, is that everything around us in our pockets, in our phones, at home, uh, in our rooms, you know, the fact that we can watch things on TV the way that we can is amazing. Um, technology is astounding. If you ever want to have a kind of a life check, just sit down and talk with your parents about what's happened in their lifetime. I'm sure they've already given you that information. Um, but really, there's so much in our world right now that is just astounding. And Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and he had this incredible announcement to make, and he is fired up, and he's doing amazing things. And in this passage, he looks and he says, the kingdom of God is like a seed. And we look at that, and we're just like, yeah, maybe that's why most days the gospel and, and what I think about Jesus and what Jesus thinks about me, maybe it... That's kind of why I feel apathetic and just kind of meh toward the gospel most days. Because we look at uh, the biggest thing to ever happen in the world, and Jesus himself describes it as a seed. Or in the first parable, he said, the kingdom of God is like a seed that is scattered. Like when a man scatters a seed. And, and it just doesn't seem that amazing. Particularly in the backdrop of kind of where we are uh, with everything around us. Because of that, I think we have to do two things when we look at this passage. If we're ever going to take Jesus seriously in this passage and understand what he's getting at. And the two things we have to do are this. First, we have to look and actually kind of uh, own our struggles with seeds. (laughs) I bet you didn't know you struggled with seeds. You do. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have to own why we think seed, uh, seeds are so boring and why kind of this, this imagery and this analogy seems just to fall flat on our ears. But secondly, I want us to consider why we should be more amazed with the seed than we are. 
Jesus knew what he was talking about when he gave this example of the kingdom of God being like a seed. And the kingdom of God is just, uh, in, in essence, you following Jesus. Wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning in someone's life or in an area, that's where the kingdom of God is present. And he's saying that it is like a seed. And so first, let's talk about our struggles with the seed. Let's, let's talk about why this isn't seemingly that awesome. The first thing about seeds is that seeds are small. Okay, that's obvious and easy. Uh, seeds are small. If you go to Lowe's or Home Depot and you want to uh, plant a garden or plant some flowers, something like that, and you go buy some seed packets, uh, the packets are this big and they only need to be like that big because the seeds are like the end of your pen or pencil. They're tiny. They'll have 30 or 50 seeds in there or something. They're so small and they're so unimpressive in and of themselves that we look at them and say, yeah, that's, that's not awesome. And that, that's not amazing. It's small. It's really not even much to look at. And Jesus said it's like a mustard seed, which is the, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds. It's not probably the smallest, but but he's saying it's tiny. That the biggest thing to ever happen in the world, if you were just to look at it, it's tiny. And it looks really small and insignificant. And for us, it's hard to get excited about that because, you know, if Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like this tiny seed and we look at the world around us, Right? We look at um, good grief, what's happening in the Middle East right now with, with our jaws wide open as we see uh, people getting beheaded. And we see entire countrysides and villages being overrun uh, with terrorists, and it's awful, it's painful. You know, we hear about things like global warming, and depending on who you listen to, uh, they're either freaked out and in hysterics about it, or they just don't care and they think it's all a joke. Right, but there's this thing going on out there, and then you have the stuff that's happening, um, you know, kind of on a world scale between Russia and the U.S. and, and China, and all these things that we can and maybe should be where I don't know, but they're big, huge things. And then there's the stuff of your life, the big problems. There's the relationship stuff, or the lack of relationship stuff, maybe. Um, there's the issues with your roommate, which don't get better. There's sexuality confusion around you and in you. There's issues with parents. There's school. There's internships that you have or don't have or you want. And all of these things seem huge. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like a seed. And by comparison, you're thinking, yeah, that's just not going to occupy a lot of space in my mind right now. Because everything around me seems to be weighing in in so much, uh, in such a bigger way. In the midst of all of that, we respond by saying, you know what, if the kingdom of God is small like a seed, then surely the things that I do in response to the kingdom of God will be really small also. So we tend to think that, you know, going home and not just getting online and looking at porn for four hours like you've done three other days this week, you tend to think, well, that's just not that big of a deal if I do that or if I don't do that. Right? Compared to all the other stuff out there, that's not a huge deal. Or that I don't go home and just endlessly gossip about the people around me and what she had on or what she didn't have on or what she said or didn't say. Like, you think, well, that's just not that big of a deal. But the kingdom of God only appears small. 
And in the kingdom of God, those small little minute decisions that we make every single day about the stuff of life, they matter. They really do matter. Because the kingdom of God only seems small for now, and as we'll see, it grows. And those issues grow in importance. And what if it is just this night of going home and not doing that thing? What if that begins the rest of your life of not doing that thing? In the Christian life, baby steps matter. They really do. Like, just taking that next little step really does matter. There is nothing too small to be used by God in His kingdom. But it's frustrating because it's so small and insignificant. Seeds are also very unimpressive. I mean, you dump them out of the package onto the counter and they just sit there. There's nothing at all awesome about a seed. It just is a seed. It's not doing anything. It's not moving. It just is. And that also is frustrating for a lot of us about Christianity because many in this room grew up in the church or around Christian circles and you've heard it so long that it just is pretty unimpressive to you. And it just seems to not matter all that much. I mean, you know the Bible stories and you know the gospel. You could recite it to someone. Maybe you've shared it with someone before. But most days you look and say, it's just not that big of a deal in my life. And depending on who you are, you feel maybe more guilty about that or less guilty about that. But it's just kind of a fact. It's just, it's just unimpressive. It seems like an old friend that we probably should call or should know more about. But we just don't. And thirdly, and I think this is maybe the hardest thing about seeds and Jesus using this illustration, is that seeds grow really slowly. Most seeds grow really slowly. You know, um, we live in a, in a culture where you can be uh, riding your bike uh, down the trails that parallel the Arkansas River, and you can be going down there with a friend, and you look over in one of the common kind of grassy areas, and you see a family who is uh, engaging in some sort of celebration. They're eating food and kind of having a picnic, but they're all wearing green, red, and yellow outfits. And they don't look like you. They're darker skin. And so in your mind, you're thinking, okay, like there's some sort of thing going on here. They're celebrating something, and I've got to figure out what it is. And so you can pull your phone out while you're riding a bike, and in less than 10 seconds, you can narrow down the list of 10 countries that have green, yellow, and, ye- uh, green, yellow, and red for their flags. And you can be picking through that list, and in another minute, you can figure out that they are most likely Lithuanian because Lithuania is Independence Day, is September 30th, and that's today. And that's why they were doing that. You just traveled around the world and did something that really doesn't matter, but you just did something in less than a minute that is absolutely amazing. And seeds grow slowly. And the kingdom of God often advances at excruciatingly slow pace. And because of that, it is hard for us to enter into it and to buy into the ideas and to really think that what Jesus is saying matters. We live in an instant everything culture and Jesus in in His Scripture and through His Word is saying the kingdom of God is going to take some time. Because it involves things like Trusting Him and waiting 
and praying, which, if you've never done, is talking into air, <laughs> right? And it feels weird just about every time. And you kind of hope that it's not just meaningless. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kind of stuff that God is asking us to enter into in following His Son, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> I love to work in the yard. Uh, if you know me, you probably know that. If you, if you look at my yard, you probably wouldn't know that, but that's a different story. Um, but most grass that is grown in the state of Oklahoma is, uh, is Bermuda grass because Bermuda grass loves sun, and we have a lot of sun. Uh, Bermuda grass also is very drought tolerant, so in an area that doesn't get a ton of rain, it grows really well. In the summers, Bermuda grass just goes crazy because it's 150 outside, there's no rain, and there's tons of sun about Bermuda grass is it needs one thing more than anything. It's sun. It cannot grow underneath trees. And so, because we have a 60-foot tall sycamore tree on the side of our house, which, side note, will probably one day fall on our house because of a huge freeze, inside note, um, there is a huge bare area under our trees if... We don't plant fescue grass. Now, what fescue grass is, is it loves the shade, and it also loves tons of water. It's basically the opposite of Bermuda grass. And so every fall, I go through a little ritual where I go to Lowe's or Home Depot and spend $80 on fescue grass seed and starter fertilizer. And you put those things down together. But before you put the seed down, you have to get a rake out there and scrape away the dead grass so that the dirt is actually exposed so that when you put the seed down, it lands on the dirt, and that way the water can get to it and it can go down to the dirt and all that kind of stuff. And I lost you about five minutes ago. It's okay. I put down fescue grass under that tree about five days ago. And there's a 60% chance of rain, of heavy thunderstorms tomorrow. Well, that's a problem, you see, because fescue grass takes 14 to 21 days to germinate and to actually send down a root into the dirt and to start to grow up. And that's a problem because if it rains really heavy tomorrow, that seed is washing away and my money is going down the drain. And the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's small. It's insignificant. It grows slowly, imperceptibly, even night and day, night and day. And then life storms come, and it just happens, and it feels like every bit of progress we just made is, is washed away down the drain, and it doesn't matter at all. Last fall, I went through my ritual, went and bought $80 worth of seed and fertilizer, came home, put it down, Watered it every day for eight minutes for 21 days, because that's the recommended amount of time. And after 21 days, it did not grow. And I was mad. I was really mad. So I did it again. I went and spent 80 more dollars and put it down again and spread it out and did exactly what I was supposed to do. And I watered it for 21 days and there was no downpour, so it didn't wash away. And what happened? Nothing. And I was furious. Like, seething with anger because it's supposed to grow its seed is not that technical it's supposed to do it it's that kind of anger that happens with me and so i gave up end of october i was done with it there was this ugly mowed down area of, of grass that wasn't going to grow back all winter long because it doesn't grow 
And every day I had to come home and look at that stupid patch of short grass and my failure to plant the seed and have it to grow. And in February, I noticed the grass was growing. And it was coming in twice as much as it needed. Like, it was everywhere. There was green grass everywhere. And I was so mad and yet so happy. And Jesus, what are you doing with my life? Why are you making this grow now and not in the fall? (sighs) Center. The grass grew because there's life in the seed. It has so much, so much less to do with the surroundings than it does the possibility of what is inside of that seed. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like a seed because there is life in it. And where the gospel goes, where the good news of this kingdom goes, there is going to be life and there is going to be growth and there's going to be change because it's a seed and seeds have life in them. And honestly, when we look at this passage and we read about uh, the seed growing and the mustard seed plant getting really big and awesome, we're kind of fixated on like the small to big and awesome thing. And we need to actually be fixated upon the fact that there is this very seemingly small and unimpressive and insignificant thing that does nothing at all until it is put on the soil and it starts to grow. Friends, The question that we have to ask about the kingdom of God and the gospel that comes from it is this. What is it doing when it hits your when it hits the soil of your heart? What is it doing when it lands inside of your ears and is processed through your magnificent brain and comes down into you? What do you do with it? Because I promise you, I promise you, if all you ever do with the seed is set it out on the table and look at it and say, oh, that's interesting. Let's study it for a little while and let me make some observations about it. Then the kingdom of God will never make sense to you because it was never meant to be studied and pulled apart just by looking at it. The kingdom of God was meant to land on the soil of your heart and it was meant to grow deeply. And we don't know how it grows. It just grows It says, and the earth produced it day in, day out, night in, night out. And it sprouted up. And there was full grain. And it happened. It's a miracle. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is like a seed. But we don't believe that. We don't believe that there is life In that seed. We don't believe that there is life where Jesus says there is life. Because many of us have tried it. We've done the youth group thing. We've done the whole not drinking and not having sex thing as if that were Christianity. And we've tried all of that. And it hasn't worked. And we've read our Bibles. We've gotten up early to read our Bibles. Earlier than our roommate. We've done it. And it doesn't seem to be growing. And functionally, that leads us to a place where we don't believe it. And so what do we do in response to that? Well, we want life. 
We want joy. We want satisfaction. And so we we take and compose and edit pictures of ourselves and put them out there online and ask people to like us. And we say, justify my existence. Get me over 50 likes. Oh, yes. Or we get just that, that right dress or that right whatever that makes you look the right way so that someone can compliment you and you can feel justified in your existence like you matter or that you're beautiful. Or you say certain things around certain people so that they'll enjoy you. Because we were made to be fulfilled at a deep level with life-giving things. And there's only one thing which will give you life at that deep level. And it's Jesus and it's His gospel, but we don't believe that. And so we self-medicate. And we, we seek infusions of that life into our body by watching porn and masturbating, by controlling what we eat and seeking to perfect our bodies and our, and our personas and our images and everything. We perfect our grades. We perfect our relationships. We manage them and turn them just this way so everyone will think we're this and not that. That's what we do because we want life. And at the end of the day, what we have is anxiety and depression and loneliness and sadness and insecurity because apart from Jesus, the only one who can give life, we have everything but life. Because the life is in the seed. It's not in the surroundings. It's in the seed. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a seed. And so when are you going to listen to the aches and the cries of your life and say, you know what, I am so sick of going everywhere else to have that need met, to have that ache and that longing met. I am ready for something to fill it. I am ready for something that will give me life and not take it away and make me insecure on the back end. And a seed grows. You see, there's life in there, and it sprouts up, and it grows, and it's a process, and it bears fruit. And finally, we see that it gives shade and rest. And that is so huge, and we would probably miss it if we didn't talk about it right now. Because the mustard seed, it grows up, and it provides these huge branches. Which look down there in verse 32, it says, When it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The picture that Jesus paints here is that when the kingdom grows and matures, it offers habitation and shade and rest and health and a place where these birds can come in and make nests and call it home and begin to reproduce and bring more life into this place. The kingdom of God, you will know it's there when you see people resting. When you see people not so consumed and anxious about everything they have to do or think they have to do to perform for a company or for their sorority or fraternity or for, or for a job or whatever. The kingdom of God is coming in your life when you can stop. And when you can take a deep breath and say, those things don't define me. Because those things will never fulfill me. There's only one thing that will. And it's Jesus. It's His offer of the gospel. See, Jesus' kingdom and the gospel offers you 
a way out of the culture of meritocracy in which we live. Have you ever heard that word? David Brooks, who's a columnist for the uh, New York Times, used it probably five or six years ago now. And it's the idea that we don't so much live in a democracy or an uh, autocracy or whatever. We live in a meritocracy where your value and your worth is determined by your merits, by how you perform, and we know that's true. At basically every level of our society, unless you had a really good family with great parents who loved you just because you were you, at almost every level of our society, we are rewarded and, and, uh, and promoted based on our performance, and the gospel is the exact opposite. And that's why it's so hard to believe, because Jesus is saying, you don't have to perform to come and rest in the shade of the kingdom. You just have to admit that you're screwed up. And you have to admit, admit like the anger I just showed you about that seed is the tip of the iceberg on the anger that it boils in my heart almost every day of my life right now. And I don't know where it comes from, but I know it's there. Because I see the way it plays out with my wife and kids, and I hate it. And that means that I need Jesus. So where do you need Jesus? Where are the things in your life which are, are peeking themselves up through the surface and which you hate and which are embarrassing, but which evidence the fact that you are someone who is in desperate need of healing and changing in something different? And here's the thing about that shade. That when you come into God's kingdom and when it makes its home in your heart, then you join the shade. You join the kingdom. You join the tree that is growing. And you yourself begin to be someone who people can rest and relax around. Because they don't feel like so much they have to impress you because you just love them for who they are. You're not using them in the relationship. You're enjoying them in the relationship. You don't need them to be cool because you don't have to feel cool when you're around them. You're already accepted and loved by Jesus. And so that shade begins to work its way out from you. And when there's a few of you together, you get to kind of be like your own little tree and you get to take shade into different places in this campus and in the city and in the world. You become part of the solution that Jesus is saying is inaugurated by a seed. You become shade producing yourself. You can use your time not just for yourself to build your resume, but you can use your time to love and serve others. And to sit there in that conversation when someone opens up and needs to talk for four hours, you can sit there. Because your life isn't about all the meetings you just missed anymore. And when someone on the street needs money or when uh, your favorite campus ministry needs money, JK, um, you know, you don't have to just hold on to your money and use it for your own entertainment and the concerts and, and all the drinking and whatever. Like, you can actually use that money for the good of somebody else. You can begin to provide shade for others. I'll finish with this. Whether or not you've realized it, um, there is an Ebola outbreak in West Africa right now. Um, How many of y'all have seen the movie Outbreak? Terrifying. I don't recommend it. Um, It's about the Ebola virus when it takes over like a whole everything. And um, so right now, since uh, since the month of March, there has been an outbreak of Ebola in in West Africa, uh, countries like Liberia, Sierra Leone, uh, Guinea. um, There's a handful of them over there. 
And as of mid-September, 3,000 people have died from this, this deadly virus. And at the end of July, there was this fascinating story that came out of that. Uh, July 27th, news broke that two American doctors had contracted the Ebola virus. And they were both part of, uh, <clears throat> of a group over there serving called Samaritan's Purse um, and, and SIM, Serving in Mission. Those are the two uh, groups they were serving with. And so they were Christian, and they were over there, and they contracted this virus. And one of the spokes, uh, the spokeswoman for Samaritan's Purse uh, said this about Kent Brantley, who was one of those who contracted the virus, who, quick side note, uh, he, they offered him uh, the serum which would, which would cure him. They offered it to him, and he said, no, give it to her. And they gave it to his co-worker who had also gotten the virus. And the, the spokesman for Samaritan's Purse said this, Prior to the outbreak, Kent was serving in a missionary hospital in Liberia. But when the outbreak hit, he took on responsibilities with our direct Ebola clinical treatment response team. Do you hear what she's saying? That Kent was serving at this hospital over here, but when the outbreak hit, he went right into ground zero of where it was the worst. Why? Why in the world? What would possess someone to do that? I will tell you exactly what would possess someone to do that. Kent is a Christian, and Christians don't have anything to fear about dying. He, if he dies, it's gain. The kingdom of God has, had made its way into Kent's heart, and it was beginning to extend around him so that he could see his life of, of one of bringing shade and rest and healing to whoever God put in his path, even if that meant he would voluntarily enter into the worst place so that he could provide shade and rest and healing there. Friends, what else in this world is as amazing and captivating as that? Is it money, really? Is it a guy or a girl? Is it marriage, really? Marriage is awesome. I'm happily married to that sweet, hot woman right back there. She's shaking her head because she doesn't believe it, but it's true. <laughs> marriage is amazing, but marriage is not the kingdom of God. It is not that amazing. There's only one thing which can support and uphold the weight of your dreams and of your life and of your longings and of your aspirations in which if you give your life to it, it will fulfill you. And if you fail Him, if you fail it, He will forgive you. I dare you to try to find anything else in the world which, which even comes close to that. It doesn't exist. So my challenge for you is for you to think about what am I doing with the seed of the gospel? Has it taken root in my heart or am I still examining it from a distance? One of those is leading to life and joy and a life that is totally transformed for the good of others. And one of those is going to lead to observation and cynicism and skepticism because it's never going to be awesome enough. I challenge you to let the seed of the gospel fall on your heart right now and begin to make its way deep. It will be slow, but there is life in that seed. Do you believe that? Let's pray together.